listening to the PCAST presented by CDE Lightband. Each week we take you around Austin P, the Athletics Department, occasionally the OBC. Thanks to our good friends at CDE. Thank you to our friends at CDE. And thanks to you, the listeners, who make us worth sponsoring. I am Colby Wilson. He is Casey Krieger. Welcome to the nation's top-ranked Austin P podcast that's excited and ready for what each day brings. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? Not so bad. I guess we should start with the... The big news. The big news. A change has come. It has come. It's come to the Austin P football program by way of a new head coach. Since we last recorded, uh, Mark Hutzpeth resigned. It was unexpected. Marcus Lovings was elevated to the interim head coaching role for the 2020 season. And this is a, a hire that was met with quite a bit of praise. I mean, I was – there were national football – college football writers – who I follow on Twitter, who are like, Marcus Loving's home run hire for the Govs. Marcus Loving's would be the the ideal guy to lead them forward for this year. And I was like, wow, all right. I think the first thought everybody has is like, that's just that's just a good guy. And you like having him run your program. And at a time where it's kind of uncertain, you have a guy that can step in and be a pretty solid, solid role model for the football team and, you know, hopefully can lead them back to, back to where we were last year. I think that's the thing that's come up the most talking – Talking to other people and even just that word solid. I was just a solid, solid dude. Uh, really, just a really. Everybody like, likes him. Everybody loves him. Like, and that's one of those things that, especially as a football coach. I it's mean, hard. Any, any coach. I talked about that with Tracy Hosa when she was in here for her podcast about a month ago. She's like, how do you reach that Q rating as a coach where everybody likes you? And. There's been very few coaches since I've been here where it's like, yeah, everybody. I mean, everybody loves them. Yeah, and, and it's it's really it's really interesting to see one of those guys take over the flagship program because I think I think that people fall into the fallacy a lot of time of thinking well, coaches got to be hard dudes, taskmasters, demanding this, that, and the other, and you got to have your expectations, but also. I think Loving is just a really, really good dude. Like, goes to work, does mission work in Africa. Yeah, I mean, just you get that very often out of out of any out of people in general. Forget coaches, forget people working in college athletics. Just people in general don't always have that selfless sense of spirit that that Loving's has, and I'm I'm really excited for him. I like on the football side, too, how we kept both our coordinators. I think that's just as important in this situation. When you get into an uncertain situation with an interim head coach, when you can keep the offense and defense from a team that was pretty good last year. And pre- Zets, Pretty good. Coach Zets, though. So Zets is an I offensive – I mean, some would call it genius. I, I'm not, I'm not going to – You're not, not going to drop s- the G, G I'm not word? Gonna, I'm not going to say – I'm not going to capitalize it, but I, I'll go with a lowercase genius. Yeah. He, like, But just keeping that, obviously – the head coach isn't making a lot of the play calls on offense and defense, but having a solid guy to lead it and then add in a couple of his own little wrinkles as the head coach, it'll be nice to see it. And, you know, might throw the other teams in the conference a loop, getting a new look from the Govs a little bit. I think it will. I think it's something They that thought they had the game plan on us down. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Not anymore. Watch, watch this. Watch out, fellas. So we've had that change. Down the road, we've had some neighbors make a change. Maybe not as good a change. Oh, maybe not as good a change. Almost definitely not okay, as good a change. Most definitely not as good a change. We don't typically talk about what other people are doing in the landscape of college athletics 
in a judgmental sort of way, more just a here's what's going on to be abreast of. But Vanderbilt has eliminated their athletics communication staff. All of them. Every one of them. See ya. So, one, one, going to be a pet project for uh, for me and Casey. Going to be something near and dear to us as athletic communications professionals. And uh, let's just go ahead and get this out there now. If you are running a university and you think that your university PR people and your athletics PR people are just interchangeable people who do the exact same job, you're out of your mind. The best tweet I saw about this the other day was I would somebody said I would buy a ticket to watch the university um, public relations. Excuse me, I would buy a ticket to watch the university public relations people live stats volleyball. Oh, live stat volleyball. Um, live stat soccer. Live stat football. Basketball. Deal. Deal. A stat change. Think about all. Think about the the. Hoops we jump through on Mondays trying to get a stat change. Where if we were on the road and there was a tackle assigned wrongly, and we get, oh, I've just seen the volleyball. The volleyball is so hard to begin with. Yeah, if I don't know volleyball, I I've been, can I've I, I can I can write down the numbers Cody tells me when he's doing it, but I I don't know how to input it. I don't know how to call it. I know how to write and fill out the little sheet, but I don't know how people that have never done volleyball live stats are just gonna show up and. I mean, I learned soccer, but I learned a new program. They're just, I mean, I had an idea of what was coming. They are just getting it thrown on them. I have done this my entire professional adult life. I've never had another actual job. I could not tell you where to start statting volleyball. I could open the program and be totally lost. I would pay for tickets for this, though. The the one that got me was... uh, Ron, Ron Higgins um, writes for LSU, and he, he happened to see it and said, uh, also, new breaking news, Vanderbilt has dissolved the football coaching staff. Uh, instead, the physical education professors yep. will be taking over as offensive and defensive coordinators. That's essentially what it is. Pretty, Pretty much. much. They are trying to find their way out of the SEC as fast as possible, it seems like. It sure seems that way. And from what I saw, what I gathered from online, this is just the tip of the iceberg that they're... If they don't want to be a big-time athletic program, then... uh, There are plenty of schools out there that are willing to do it. I'm sure there's a lot of schools that would take that SEC network uh, payment every year because Vanderbilt just seems to be wasting it. Sure are. Not wasted? Not wasted. Two and a half hours you would spend watching Hamilton. Hamilton... Do it. Do it now. Came to Disney Plus July 3rd. It is, what's today? July 9th. How many viewings are you on? Uh, two. Four. Hmm. Does it count? I turned it on last night when I laid down to go to sleep so I could have some background music, kind of, and I kind of fell asleep in the middle of it. But I can't imagine having that as background music. It makes me want to run through a brick I mean, wall. yeah, it does. The first two times it was cool, but I was like, uh, let me just, I was like, uh, just fire it up in the background, and it worked. I didn't I'd seen this thing, not to brag, I'd seen this thing live one time. Was it the original cast? Or? No. Okay. Lin-Manuel Miranda had been gone about six months. Were Did any of them there? Uh, it was still, they were still transitioning. They were um, in and out? Yeah. I I can't remember exactly which were which. Uh, we saved the playbill, but we just haven't looked at it yet. That's, that's not the point here. But the point is that uh, I was curious about how they were going to bring this to the 
screen, but they hit a homer. This this if you haven't done Disney Plus yet, this is well worth your time. Also, you can't Disney, get it on the free trial though. You have to have to pay for the real thing. Also, Disney Plus, if you want to sponsor the PCAST, we here at PCAST LLC take a cash check, Venmo, PayPal. We use Hamilton as our intro music, too. <laughs> we, I'm surprised we're not using Hamilton as our <laughs> intro music right now. <laughs> what was your favorite part of it? Um, favorite <sighs> character, favorite song, something? Uh, there are ear, earworms that pop up at different times. Like... I had Washington on your side running through my head for about 48 hours. I like, like I said, I told you earlier, I like everything King George does with uh, Jonathan Groff. Yeah, that's just, really funny. He's just, it's funny. But then um, Thomas Jefferson's always been my favorite president, so I really like everything David Diggs did as him, and he's just really catchy to begin with. I mean, the the... The duel scenes are pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... The cabinet battles, which yeah. are a rap battle between Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson. There, there, There's just, like, there's no... All right, this song's coming up. I can run to the bathroom or get something to drink. Like, it's it's two and a half hours of absolute bangers. You're doing yourself a disservice if you're not watching it. But, do, speaking of doing disservices, we're getting so good at segways. Just good at segways these days. <sighs> The mess that is the bubbles that they're trying to do for the NBA and MLB to restart. And to a different degree, MLS, I know Nashville SC has had five, nine, a a bunch. They've had a bunch of positives. MLB's not really doing a bubble. They just can't figure out how to get their test results back. Did you know, and I didn't know this until somebody a little more in the know than I am clued me in yesterday, the wives and girlfriends are trickling in and they haven't even they haven't even got all the tests back yet for the players and they're letting the spouses and it's just like in the stadium just in the the area where everybody's kind of sequestering like get everybody else healthy first before we start adding more people to this it's such a touch and go thing anyway like make sure we're a hundred percent with the first wave before you start letting the second wave in. The NBA bubble looks fun though. I I think the NBA bubble looks fun from a purely basketball fan standpoint. Like to watch, to just sort of be in a ballroom while regulation NBA games are going on on multiple courts would just be. A delight for me personally. It's the MBAAU, basically, yeah. Which is fun. Which that's a that's a much better name than uh, the baseball name, which is either summer camp, spring training two, or spring training two electric boogaloo is what I'm trying to <laughs> get into the rotation. How's that going? Yeah, so far it's just me. <laughs> just you. But you know, probably going to stay that way. <laughs> So far, it's just me, but you can't have a national movement without somebody taking the first step, as I've always <laughs> said. We'll take a break and welcome in somebody who will do way less nonsense than Casey and I, and that is Jessica Cathy, head golf coach of the Austin Williams Golf Program, right after this. County Road 233, under my feet. Nothing on this white rock but a little oatmeal 
got two miles till he makes bail. And if I'm right, we're headed straight for hell. I'm going home, going low with my shotgun, way by the door and light a cigarette. He wants a farewell, now he's got one. If Jessica Cathy's first season as head coach, truncated though it may have been, is any indication she's going to be just as good a coach as she was a player. The three-time All-OVC Choice took over a stack program last summer, and now with Megan Stamps set to return, she's preparing to elevate the program to new heights next year. But for now, there are more important things to plan for, like weddings and podcast appearances. Coach, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. You know, just taking it day by day, just like everybody else is. That's about all anybody can do right now. Obviously, the first thing that comes up when thinking about you and wanting to talk to you for any kind of interview is that you're now on a new side of this you've I've talked to you as a player multiple times and now talking to you as a coach it's just the transition is what's it like it has been nothing short of a blessing I loved being a player for four years at Austin P. I have loved my first year of coaching minus the fact that season got cut short but everything else could not have gone any smoother and I'm so thankful for that can you still beat your players So, good question. I was trying to think about this earlier, and as a coach, of course you you want your players to be better than you were, but I'm not going to sell myself short and say that I'm not still a pretty dang good golfer. Um, I hardly ever practice anymore, pretty much never, Um, but I do play on occasion throughout the year. Um, I, I injured my wrist right after I graduated, so I don't get to play as much as I'd like to, but when I do, it's still not too bad, so... In returning to Austin P and taking over a program that you were part of, just how important was that to you? You know, I didn't, I didn't look out to be a college coach when I started my careers after I graduated in 2016. It just kind, it was something that just happened. Um, it was, it was all God, and I give Him all the glory for that. Um, but stepping into a role of coach after being a player. And I get to coach players who are coming through my alma mater. Um, you know, it just it just elevates the level of wanting to be the best and to do the best for your program. So it's it's such a blessing. And I know I keep saying that, but it truly is. Is this an important step in your journey as a coach? Or is this kind of where you wanted to wind up anyway and it just happened really fast? So like I said, I didn't really set out to be a college coach. Um, It just, it fell into my lap and I couldn't think of anywhere else that I would rather be. Um, Moving forward, I love Clarksville. Obviously I stayed here after I graduated. Um, I love the people at Austin P. I love the community. So I I don't have any, any sights set on anywhere else because I love this school so much. Can you describe for me the process for gaining your LPGA coaching status? Because I know there's different levels and grades and everything else and I just I don't know enough about it and since you're here I want to know more. Yeah so um, I started the LPGA teacher education program as soon as I finished um, our conference tournament my senior year because as soon as you enter the program you give up your amateur status um, which obviously you have to have to compete in college. So there's three levels of it. The level one I went to in May of 2016 in Daytona Beach, Florida. Um, it's a week-long program, and then you take a test at the end of it. As long as you pass the test, then you are a certified LPGA apprentice. So once you finish all of your um, 
your qualifications to move to the next step, which is Class B LPGA. You sign up for the next course. Um, I, it was in San Diego, California. So I was able to fly out to California for the first time, experience a new city, um, learn from some great LPGA teachers out there. Kind of the same format. There's a week of classes. You take a test at the end of it. Um, and then as soon as you finish all of your qualifications, you can sign up for the third level, which I went back to Daytona Beach, Florida for um, about a year later. So at that one, you do take another written test, but you also have to pass a um, where somebody is watching you give lessons. So you had to give one short game lesson, which is like either putting or chipping, and then you had to give a full swing lesson on the range. So you don't know who your student is. You don't know what kind of lesson they're going to ask you for. So the teachers watching you are making sure that you're going through all of the steps necessary to figure out what kind of player this is, what kind of handicap they have, do they have any physical restrictions that are going to limit how you teach them. Um, so all of these things are incredibly important when you're giving a lesson in any capacity. So I chose the LPGA route because it was more hands-on and teaching, um, which is what I saw myself doing a lot more of. There's also the PGA program, which um, takes a little bit longer um, but it goes through more of the management side of running a golf business. It goes through like the food and beverage aspect of it. Um, it goes through the course maintenance aspect of it. And like I said, just the whole management side. Um, but I love the LPGA. They've been so good to me. We run a girls golf program during the summer. Myself, Sarah Robeson, and Morgan Meeks, who is now the assistant pro at River Club, we get together with a group of young girls about once a month and just kind of show them the ropes of, hey, this is what golf looks like, and it can be a lifelong sport. What are some of the benchmarks you have to hit to move to the next levels during your apprenticeship to be to A? Yeah, so you pass the test at the end of the week. Um, and then to move from Class B to Class A to get to sign up for those classes, you turn in um, some you had to watch either a PGA professional or an LPGA professional give lessons and take notes on those. Um, and then they also had to observe you giving some lessons. So you had to make sure that you had so many observation hours before you moved to the next level and then also turn in some videos of yourself teaching. So I had to turn in a video of myself giving a 30 minute full swing lesson and then giving a 30 minute short game lesson. Is it, do you get feedback? Do you get critiques like, hey, you did this right, you did this wrong, this could be better, you're really killing it here? Yeah, absolutely. So as soon as you turn in those videos, um, there's somebody who is on the LPGA board that will watch them and give you the feedback of, hey, you need to fix this before you get evaluated at Class A. Because at the end of the week, you don't have any redos. It's either a pass or a fail. Um, and if you fail, you've got to come back again. Um, from what I remember... Many people don't pass on their first go-around just because they left out some sort of small wording that the LPGA deems important. Um, I was lucky enough to pass it on the first time, so I didn't have to go back and spend some more money to get back to Daytona after that. Collegiate coaching has all sorts of pitfalls and potholes, and it, it, it can be it can be something of a, a beautiful mess sometimes. Have, were there things you encountered in this first year that you were like, wow, I was not prepared for this at all? Aside from COVID, because I don't think any of us at any level of anything were prepared for that. Yeah, aside from COVID, um, honestly, there wasn't anything that really just scared me out of my mind. Um, I think my first tournament 
as a head coach was probably the most nerve-wracking just because I had no idea what I was doing when I got to the golf course. I knew the player side of it. You get out of the van, you go warm up, and then you go play golf. That's easy peasy. Um, but as a coach, you know, you're, you're in charge of those athletes and getting them there where, where they need to be, getting them warmed up properly, getting their scorecards to them. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't um, as scary as I had it in my mind to be. Um, and thankfully, I had a great assistant coach who he came from a GA position um, in Oklahoma and that kind of knew a little bit more of the maintenance side of it. So we were able to develop a great relationship this year that made coaching fun. I know that having the season cut short, it's hard to find some silver linings to it, but you are there, there are some pros moving forward that kind of offset the cons of what happened this spring. Can you talk about those a little bit? Yeah, so the, the pros would definitely be that it lit a fire in all of our bellies. Um, we are more determined than ever to get back to playing competitively next year, hopefully in the fall, and then hopefully compete for that conference championship in the spring. Um, luckily, my senior is coming back, who was an who was a big part of what made our program so successful this past year. Um, and then I've got two other all-conference players who are going to be a part of the team. And then I've got a killer, you know, a killer sophomore class. And then I've got a freshman coming in who I expect to be in the top five, like coming out of the gate. So we are more motivated than ever to be the best that we can to do everything that we can to get a ring next season. Compare the talent here now, not just in Austin P, but in this state, in this region, in this conference, from where it was when you were a player, it, it feels like there is just the talent pool is just so much deeper now in amateur golf. Yeah, you're right. Um, coming from um, the Chattanooga area, I know we always had a deep, um, just pit of great female golfers and male golfers. Tennessee in itself has just some championship level golfers that some other states don't have. So getting to compete with those girls growing up and now getting to recruit a handful of these girls from our area, from um, I'll have a handful of Georgia girls on my team. Um, and it's recruiting in itself has been has been interesting. You know, you don't have a lot of knowledge and experience when you're a first year coach just kind of thrown into it. So getting to kind of go to different areas and recruit girls last summer, of course, not getting to do that this summer, um, but you know, developing the relationship with these girls and then having them put their trust in you for the next four years of their life. It's it's humbling. I know the summer circuit's huge for you guys in terms of recruiting and losing this summer. What's it mean for the future? You know, last summer I was able to develop some really good relationships with the class of 21 golfers, which um, hasn't quite hurt me for that class. Um, but this class of the 2022 girls, I'm not able to see them in person or, or meet their families, get to know them on a more deeper level. Um, so I think it's going to it's gonna make it different going forward in the future. I'm not concerned about it in any way, um, just because I think w that we're putting into place some good practices and some good plans for moving forward. So you're getting married in less than a month. Less than a month, yeah. 
Excited? Um, nervous? Yeah, very, very excited. Um, not nervous, just anticipating the big day. Um, my fiance, Ryan, as you know, he works here at Austin P. And it's, it's fun getting to work in the same place because when you've got a little bit of time on your lunch break, you know, you can walk down to his office or he walks up to mine and we can grab a 10 minute lunch during the middle of the day. Whereas before, um, you know, we struggled to find time to get together. Um, he works late hours. He's the, he's an academic coordinator for four teams here. And then also the director of student athlete development. So that keeps him on his toes. So he works into the evenings as do I. Um, it's going to be nice getting to go home to one place, not having to drive back and forth to each other's houses and just to get to be a couple. It's really nice to hear like how you've already integrated working the same place because for people who've never done it, I think I couldn't imagine working the same place as my wife. And that doesn't mean I don't love her. It just, <laughs> she's not here. This is, this is my place. She has hers. You know, and we have that understanding too of if I walk down there and he's in the middle of something, it's like, all right, I'll see you. I'll see you later. Um, and then same thing, you know, we've got some, we'll have net practices um, when it's cold and rainy outside. Um, but we definitely have the understanding of he'll give me a look like, hey, I'm busy. We'll talk later. Um, but it's also really nice to get that extra little bit of time during the day. What is your favorite word? My favorite word? Yeah. Hmm. Caught me off guard here. Yeah, no, that's point. <laughs> my favorite word is joy. Um, I tell myself every day, you know, no matter what is thrown my way, no matter what kind of attitude I wake up with, You've just got to choose joy. I believe it's a complete mentality. Um, you've got to have a perspective in life of just being positive and being motivated to be better than you were the day before. So I try to integrate in that into my team as well. Just choose joy. What is your least favorite word? Least favorite word. You know, I got a one word popped into mind and it's the f-bomb I hate that word can't stand it um I actually this past year I don't I don't have any cussing on my team you know if I hear you cuss you get a strike three strikes and you got to write me sentences so I had one player this past fall who got three strikes and sure enough I made her write me sentences in the van on the way home sentences like I will not cuss in public (laughs) she wrote it front and back lots of sentences It's a modern equivalent of writing on the chalkboard. Exactly. It's not something that would um, hurt you, obviously, but it hurts your pride a little bit, especially having to do it in front of your teammates. So that was kind of the point. Who or what inspires you? Who inspires me? Um, Definitely Ryan. Um, My parents inspire me. You know, we we didn't come from a lot growing up, and golf is an expensive sport to come up playing. So my parents worked their tails off um, just so that I could go to golf tournaments each weekend. Um, I never had a professional lesson growing up. We couldn't afford those. Um, So my dad read as much golf and watched as much golf as he could and just taught me himself. So I owe a lot to who I am, just to my dad and to my mom. What was the last book you read for fun? last book I read for fun I think it was Everybody Always by Bob Goff Um, he is kind of a motivational writer Christian writer 
um, he wrote his first book called Love Does and then followed it up with Everybody Always. So Love Does kind of went into the background of it's love is an action. You know, if you're going to show somebody that you love them, you're going to prove it by by your, not just your words, but by your actions. Um, and then Everybody Always kind of follows it up with you've got to love everybody always, no matter what. You know, show them the love of Christ. Show them um, that they are loved, that they matter. Everybody always has come up on this podcast a couple of times when I've asked that question. Did you assign that to your team? <laughs> I did not. Okay, I wanted mm-hmm. to say one of them said it. Okay, that's awesome. Um, what is your worst habit? My worst habit is picking my cuticles. Um, it's It's been a part of my life since I was younger, and it's terrible. I literally rip my skin until it bleeds sometimes, and... I will get a pop on the hand from whoever's with me. Like, they know to make me stop, and it's it's just such a bad habit. Sometimes I have to put Band-Aids over the end of my fingers just to keep from not picking. Isn't there a, uh, a nail polish or something that, like, stings if you start doing that too much? Yep, I've tried it all. Um, apparently, I just fight through it, and I don't care. Like, it's, it's just some—I'm trying to stop. I try to stop every day. It's just, I'm addicted to picking my cuticles, and it's terrible. What app on your phone gets the most use? Oh, definitely Instagram. Um, When I am bored, it's just something to click through and to scroll through Instagram. I'll look through my account, and then I'll get on the Austin P. Women's Golf account and look through to see who I haven't seen before, kind of some funny videos and things like that. What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Hmm most terrifying situation luckily I've not been involved with a lot of terrifying situations which is awesome Uh, but my dad had a lot of surgeries growing up just from different accidents he had um, four-wheeler accidents motorcycle accidents anything like that and it always scared me to death when he would go into surgery um, just thinking that he wouldn't wake up or anything like that so that's probably the most terrifying when any family member has to go in for a surgery what is your idea of happiness? My idea of happiness, hmm, I'm going to try to think of a situation. So, good plate of food in front of me. Um, I love my mom's roast and potatoes. That's my favorite meal. You know, maybe eating it at the condo at the beach, not having a lot on my mind, having to worry about anything. Um, it's, like I said earlier, it's just your perspective. So, if you're choosing joy, um, joy is just it's it's kind of permanent happiness can be fleeting like you know you can't really choose to be happy but you can choose joy so happiness kind of flows from having that joy I think what's your idea of misery who my idea of misery is commercials on the radio I cannot stand commercials on the radio ever since I was little I would change the station as soon as a commercial would come on so my literal misery would be just stuck in a car with intimate commercials running through my running through my mind but on tv commercials are fun not typically so i don't i don't have cable so i've got netflix and hulu which don't which don't don't have commercials nope don't have to worry about it but my team knows in the van um colton knows if a commercial comes on like we're changing it immediately (laughs) what makes you self-conscious hmm makes me self-conscious. I don't like being in front of people at all. I don't like being looked at. I'd rather be kind of in the back of the room blending in. 
So having a lot of eyes on me is not my idea of fun. Um, in about a month, it'll be probably the most eyes on me in a while when I get married. And I'm just going to try to ignore him and focus on my groom. <laughs> I, I try not to insert too much of myself into this, <laughs> but I will say that it's been my experience that on that day, so much is happening that you just, the people there are very much background music. Perfect. That's what I like to hear. What is the most embarrassing song you love? Hmm, the most embarrassing song. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So I'm going to go back to my middle school days and go with Hannah Montana, Nobody's Perfect. Or I can go with Year 3000 by the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> I will jam out to those on the regular, especially with road trips with Ryan. I'll be like, sorry, it's my turn with the aux cord. We're jamming out to this. Oh, man. I feel terrible for him, especially because <laughs> to see both your families, you got to drive in the car for a couple of hours. We do. So it's about five hours to Eastern Kentucky where he's from in Hazard, and then it's about three hours to Chattanooga. So, yeah, he puts up with it, though. He's he's a champ. Ugh. How would you prefer to die? Ooh, I know why you asked me this. So I'm a big fan of dinosaurs, love dinosaurs. So my dream of dying is getting eaten by a dinosaur like just one bite and i'm gone what yep yep so i love the jurassic park movies i love the jurassic world movies i buy all my friends like little dinosaur baby outfits and yeah that's just my dream of going out getting eaten by a dinosaur one bite and i don't want it to be painful or anything but get me bitten by a t-rex and i think i'm good Whatever answer, you know, sometimes when I sit down and craft these, I mm -hmm. think, I think I know where they're going to go with this. And I got to tell you, that was nope. pretty unexpected. Yep. Very unexpected. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Hmm. I would want to come back as a duck. So I'll tell you why. Ducks can walk, ducks can swim, and ducks can fly. So you'd get to experience a little bit of each, you know? True triple threat. Yeah. I thought of it that way. Yep. What might prompt you to lie? Hmm. Um, probably just hurting, fear of hurting somebody's feelings. Um, I'm pretty straightforward when I know the person, I'm going to tell you like it is, and I'm going to be honest with you 99% of the time. But if I don't know you very well and I'm afraid it's going to hurt your feelings or put you in a bad mood, then I'll tell a little white lie. What makes you hopeful? Hmm. What makes me hopeful? Um, my team, my girls. Um, each one of them is so special and so unique and I love each of how each of them are becoming their own selves. They're developing into wonderful young women and I'm, I'm so thankful to get to be a part of their lives now and hopefully get to see them continue to grow into who they're supposed to be as they get older. What is our purpose in life? Our purpose in life, my opinion, is we were put on this earth to seek Jesus Christ and to um, just love him unconditionally, to seek after him and to be everything that he's called us to be. Um, I think a lot of people struggle with what they're supposed to do, where, who they're supposed to be, when in reality you can kind of simplify that. Like where we, we were put on this earth to love, to love each other, to love our Lord, our God. And our purpose is to seek after him as much as we can every day. Regardless of who it is, what is one question you'd ask our next guest? 
Hmm. What do I want to ask our next guest? I would want to ask them. Where is your dream vacation and why? Simple. I couldn't think of anything no, more that's fun, good. honestly. No, that's, <laughs> I, I don't want people to think about that one. I want them to just shoot with whatever they got. Yep. What's yours? My dream vacation is Hawaii. Um, and we debated about going there on our honeymoon this year. But we didn't want to spend hours and hours and hours on a plane ride right after we got married. So I think we're going to push that to like a five-year anniversary trip. Gotcha. Um, usually this is where I ask what's next for you and everything else. But <laughs> we've kind of covered that. So instead, I'm going to ask about Goodwill Dates. Goodwill Dates. Yes. I was hoping you brought this up. So... A couple years ago when Ryan and I started dating, it was before we were actually officially dating, and it was my turn to pick date night. So I didn't tell him what we were doing. I just told him to drive, and I would tell him where to stop. So we pull into a parking lot at Goodwill, and he has no idea. I tell him, all right, we have $15 a piece to pick each other's outfits for the evening. So we go in and try to pick out the worst possible outfits that we can. And I succeeded. His was way worse than mine was. Like, <laughs> 10 out of 10. It was terrible. So then we went to Cracker Barrel to eat dinner. So we went in public with our hideous outfits. But you got dinner. some looks at Cracker Barrel. We got some looks at Cracker Barrel. We even ran into somebody that Ryan knows. But she just pretended it was completely normal. Oh, like, hey, good to see <laughs> you. Yep, did not say anything. Um, at first, we were going to go to somewhere. Uh, where were we going to go? Bonfire. We were going to go to Bonfire Mongolian Grill, and we decided mm, that might be a little too in the community, so then we drove out to Cracker Barrel. But, no, it was fun. He hated the date. I loved the date. Um, he's a champ for actually going through with it. Um, so, yeah, one reason I love him. Well, he didn't hate it too much because you're getting married. Exactly. You know, that was even before we were dating. I did something right. <laughs> well, thanks for your time, and uh, – Obviously, best of luck with everything, uh, getting married, golf team, the whole, you know, we, we and I personally are always. Thanks to Jessica Cathy for coming in and spending a few minutes with us this week. Before we get started on the back half of the things that we tend to discuss, a plea to wear the dadgum masks. I understand that they're annoying, and I understand that nobody wants to do it, and I understand that people can view this as an infringement of their civil liberties. I guess i can i can get there if that's the route you want to take with it okay fine it doesn't work it's an infringement of my rights whatever fine cool here's the thing if we don't curb this we're not going to have any of the stuff that you enjoy 
if you're listening to this podcast, you like sports. You like Austin Peay sports. You like coming to Austin Peay sports. Until we get this under control, you're not going to be able to come to Austin Peay sports. It's just going to be us. It's just going to be us. Which seems boring, but we're going to do it. It would be extremely boring, but we are going to do it. And if you like going to movies, you ain't going to be able to go to movies. The longer the drags on, the fewer movies are even going to get made. So, I know, I know it's a pain in the butt. I hate putting the mask on. I I hate getting to the end of my block and realizing, ah, I've left the mask at home again and having to drive back to my house and get it. It's a big pain in the butt all the time, but it's also the only way, one of the only ways, we're ever going to get back to normal. So, wear your stupid mask. Stand apart from people. Don't go into big crowds. Don't go to bars. Don't go to crowded restaurants. It's not worth it. Just just don't. Get takeout. Liquor stores are still doing a tremendous trade right now, I'm certain. You can get the same thing. Just help us get back to normal, because this sucks. In so many ways. And now that we've said that... What's the sitch with the apartment this week? Um, so last, I think we talked about the mold last week. We talked about the mold last oh, week. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we talked. So about the, mold. Uh, the mold, the mold was there. It was cleaned out, and they are still running the dehumidifier and the fans to make sure the ceiling and all the wood up in there is dried before they come and put a new uh, ceiling drywall, sheetrock, whichever, you, whichever it is. Uh, they got to put that up, but you don't want any mold. You don't want any wetness up there. You want it all dry, so we don't have any future situations. Don't want any mold growing up above the ceiling so doing the best to get everything dried out has there been any consideration to them moving you to a open unit <laughs> uh no okay i don't think i mean i was here when the mold was there so at this point the mold's gone so that's it's an improvement one would argue there's a big hole in your ceiling <laughs> no yeah it doesn't bother me it's just a hole it, I, I just stay upstairs in my room anyway i moved the playstation upstairs so i can watch whatever i want i got my you know i'll be the show up there uh, can still give people to work online in my, my bedroom, not just in the living room. Mercy rolled my last two online games. It's a big week. Of course you did. Just I didn't even know there was a mercy rule. Hit a home run in the third inning to go up 10 on some guy, and it's like, the game is over. The mercy rule has been reached. And I was like, what? Didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> then I did it again. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. We're so proud of all your accomplishing during this. If anybody wants to play me off, you're still out there. You can do it for the PCAST. Earlier this week... The Ivies became the first league to suspend all fall sports. They were the first to cancel everything in the spring, too. They were. I'm not sure what the trickle-down will be for this. I. The point is the Ivies don't affect everybody else that much. Well, also, the Ivies, sports in general are... They're secondary. Not just secondary, but they're almost loss leaders at the Ivy League level where all of your revenue is brought in on your research grants and things of that nature. At the P5 level especially, like, a lot of the money that comes in comes in from football. A lot of the money that comes in comes in from basketball. And I'm not just talking about for athletics. Everywhere. Everywhere. For the Ivies, football getting canceled isn't a big deal, though, because they're not going to play in the postseason anyway. The sports that really are going to hurt from this are going to be your soccer and volleyball sports because they're false championship sports. And like I said, they skip the football championship anyway, so it doesn't matter. Right. But soccer and volleyball, maybe cross country. 
Yeah. They would compete in NCAA championships. And if there are NCAA championships in the fall, those teams won't get to do them because, I mean, they're not going to have anybody playing in the spring anyway. Right. Who's who's the Ivy volleyball? I mean, they're going to play other Ivy volleyball. They're going to play other Ivy soccer teams, and they might run against the other Ivy teams. But that's it. You get a conference championship, and you're done. Well, and I guess you could also, too, you can look at it one of two ways where – I don't think the, if the NCAA doesn't play the cha- change the playing season, play the changing season, boy, easy for me to say. Yeehaw. If they don't change the playing season, I don't see how you can do that because the rest of the NCAA is going to be on a different clock than you are. Like there are dead periods and stuff for and ma- max hours and everything else for volleyball and soccer in the spring. Even if you're just playing, yeah, they're your probably league, canceled, huh? I, you'd I have to, think you'd so. have to think so. But. If it moves to where everything is played in the spring anyway, it is a little bit advantageous to have been on the front side of that and started making preparations for that. So they they'll either be they'll either be I guess uh, trailblazers or or idiots or idiots. They they can't really be idiots because they're pretty smart. Yeah, they're pretty smart. Elsewhere in college athletics. Stanford axed a lot of sports. 11. Stanford had more sports. Stanford had 36 sports, and I think the article said the average for an NCAA Division I university is 18. I'm pretty sure that's the minimum or close to it. I'm 18. I think, I think I read that most schools have around 18 sports. Stanford had 36, and the sports they axed, I mean, they weren't bringing in money. They weren't bringing in money, but I think one of the things for Stanford... It was a very Stanford sports to have. Well, one of the things for Stanford was the Commissioner's Cup at the NCAA level, and having so many... That's what they always wanted. Yeah, I mean, they had so many sports that just weren't competed very broadly at the national level that they could be considered the best NCAA... Division One institution. They cut what fencing, men's and women's fencing, rowing, sailing. I think was one. Like, I didn't even know sailing was a collegiate sport. Res- it was like then they cut like co-ed rowing or sailing. One of them was a co-ed sport. Well, they they cut synchronized swimming. Yes, synchronized swimming. That's it. That's it. I didn't know that was a. Oh yeah, they're just an Olympic training program over there, huh? Well, I mean, I think that there's some. There's probably a lot of value to that, but it's also it costs a lot, and they, I mean, nobody's making money right now. So, well, even then, Stanford's got an endowment of uh, all the money that's ever existed. Yeah, so. they're doing all right. So it seems like they could have held but on. Thirty-six I, down to twenty-five seems a lot more reasonable for managing an athletic program. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it. I, I think my bigger concern with it is was this something they were planning to do anyway, and they were justifying it by the current climate or was there an actual need to do this and i i mean who who's to say what an institution is thinking on the other side of the country but i would it would suck to find out that this is why this is what they used to justify doing this no different than if this is what vanderbilt uses to try to justify whatever it is going on down on west end Yep. Boy, that was all depressing. Very depressing. So let's close with a let's close with Casey's review of a television show that ceased operations five years ago. That sounds about right. Sure is. Uh, seeing so at the end of Justified, seeing Raylan in the four-year head flashback, just rocking a Miami Marlins shirt was a 
strange choice. But I guess he was a baseball guy the whole show. He played in high school and all that. But just did not when when they flashed ahead. I did not expect Raylan in a big old Miami Marlins shirt. Um, also with that stupid green hat he started wearing at the end, which it was cool the way he got it because he won it in kind of a duel. But I didn't like the hat. Um, I don't know. I thought you said the ending didn't like you said the ending is fine. It didn't make me angry like Game of Thrones. I don't know. I felt like it could have been better still, but I think, it was fine. I think for Prestige TV, the the big point of ending is just to not make people angry. I just thought the ending was weird. Like he goes to visit Boyd in a prison for the first time in four years, and he tells him Ava's dead, but she's not, and he get, and then it's just like. They're talking. He's like, we dug coal together, and that's the end of the show. I hope nobody listening was about to hop into Justified, because now they know how it ends. It's just, I, there, it's, there's some twists just, and turns. That, that was just a weird last line. Like, we dug coal together. Well, that was kind of the through line of the whole thing. Yes, they were kind of friends, but they kind of weren't. Yeah. Also, uh, before anybody watches this and gets surprised, Sam Elliott shows up in the last season without his mustache, and it is jarring. Sam Elliott has the worst upper lip ever, possibly, when it is shaven. But when it's unshaven, He's he hero. has possibly the best upper lip in the history of the world. Um, yeah, neither you or my dad warned me that there was going to be a mustacheless Sam Elliott in season six, and I was, I was taken back because all at the first five seconds he's on the show, you just hear his voice, which and you know who it is immediately, and, and you're like, oh yeah, oh, yeah here, it comes. here comes Sam Elliott, and then he pops on screen five seconds later without his mustache, and you were just you have to pause the show because you don't know what's happening, like. I just want to talk to the producers. What what choice made you think, yep, we need Sam Elliott for this role. Awesome, good choice. And the casting guy's like, should I call him? Yep, tell him to shave his mustache. What? Somebody in wardrobe was like, that thing on your face, are you attached to that? <laughs> He's like, not if it, I mean, the paycheck clears, I don't care what it looks like. It was, <sighs> it was fine. It was a good show. It was better ending than the majority of shows I've watched. It could have been more exciting, I think. Um uh, but it was fine. It was good. I thought uh, everybody, I guess, you kind of thought Raylan was dead there for a second at the end, but I kind of knew he wasn't. I was like, no, there's no way you can kill him here. Especially to a character that's been on the show 15 for minutes. 15 minutes. And he obviously won because the guy I was talking about earlier in the show, how you go for the headshot and uh, don't shoot the top of the Stetson because there's nothing up there. No, there's no, There's no head in the top of the cowboy hat. Well, that's been this week's uh, segment of what Casey was watching on his television. Um, if you want to do more than just watch shows from uh, the mid-2010s, uh, Haley Meyer always has community service opportunities for you and anyone else to get involved with. Um, whatever you can do, do it. You know, things are weird and some places are open and some places aren't right now, but everyth- everything and everyone needs help in some capacity. Find out, find a way to help and do it. And then, after you've done that, get in touch and stay in touch with us via the web and social media. Casey, how they do it. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Go P, or you can follow along on our official Facebook account called Austin P. Governors. Uh, shout out to our friends Eric and Robin in digital media. Big shout out to Robin for her video yesterday of our uh, new head football coach's press conference because it wasn't a normal press conference. Everybody couldn't come out and watch, so... Uh, Robin gave you an inside look at the Zoom meeting where uh, Coach Lovey's going to talk to the media and some of us. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Pretty pretty cool, pretty different. Let's go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Casey, Cody Bush, myself over there doing stuff. The last 
week of Greatest Govs. The very last one. Hallelujah, some might say. Never again. Never again. You guys have just accepted our rankings. You might have got another one next pandemic, but no. What are we going to no, do no. next? I was thinking about that the other day. Like that, That's been a pretty consistent. Yeah, um, that's been a very Tim Wakefield thing during this whole, just eating up, you know, going to go six innings, going to probably give up three or four runs. I'm just going to start blogging my daily life on Let's Go P. Oh, no, I don't think you should do that. We can start blogging Major League Baseball on Let's Go P. Like just, I mean, what, en- what, end of month, maybe we just start following what Rogers and Ron Harper are just doing. A, just, a just a daily, daily update. update. Didn't pitch today. End of end of story. Rogers warmed up in the top of the seventh, ultimately set back down. Speaking of Rogers, MLB put up a video or pictures of him yesterday on their uh, official account. They, they, Reed Harper retweeted a story that I saw this morning about how he's somebody thinks he's baseball's next great submariner. Who was the last great submariner? I'm thinking Dan Quisenberry, but I'm open to other. Listen, you could have told me any name you wanted, and I would have believed you. <laughs> I can't even remember one in my lifetime. I'm sure there's been somebody else. No, there's been somebody. Chad Bradford. Byung-Hun Kim? I'd say Chad Bradford for me. I, I remember Chad Bradford more than. Yeah, I guess you're a little young for Byung-Hun Kim. Of course, Dan Quisenberry stopped playing baseball when I was three, I think. So. Final answer, Chad Bradford. Uh, I'll go with the Q. So if you want to come watch Austin P play sports whenever we start doing that again, uh, you're going to need some tickets. And how are you going to get those? You're going to get in contact with our ticket gurus, Katie Locke and her assistant, John Bones Jones. They have all the information you can use to get in the game. And they're going to have some information regarding social distancing very soon. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating and review on the podcast. Five stars, five stars. And if you'd like to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Tell us your favorite Hamilton tracks. Tweet us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at C underscore Craig19. Love yourself. Love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye.